listening to Unscripted, the film show. Man, I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Here's Johnny! You're gonna need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Wanna hear the most annoying sound in the world? Good afternoon and welcome to Unscripted, the film show, the last one off uh, the year. I'm Cecilia and I'm joined by uh, Lewis and Rachel. Uh, yes, hey guys, um, how are you going? Uh, good. We Happy all... New Year's Eve. Yes, we indeed. We finally get to see the back of this wretched year that was 2020. That's right. Oh my God. Goodness. Goodbye. Well, Good riddance. Yeah. Get lost. Don't come back. I realised um, last week when we did our kind of talked about the films that we had seen throughout mm. the years, I forgot to mention uh, one of the films that I actually scored quite highly. It was The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah. Uh, that we've seen very early in the year. Mm. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that for a film. It's quite a bizarre uh, film, but I, I quite enjoyed it. So With um, uh, Robert Pattinson and yes, you had and a few wor- walkouts when you went to see that one. That's right. We certainly did. There were a few, but Lewis and I seen it earlier in the year and, uh, yeah, a couple of people did walk out at a particular scene in that film, uh, which was interesting. Which so. you have yet to tell me about. We keep saying, oh, oh yeah. I'll tell you off air, I'll tell you off air, yes. and then it never happens. I'm trying to find um, – so Alan shared his list uh, of of films that he's seen this week and I'm just trying to find it um, on our Facebook page. Um, well, I'm struggling while to do you're that. doing that, yes. uh, on tonight's show, we do have a couple of things to talk about, which is fantastic. So we've got uh, Wonder Woman uh, 1984. Or just WW84. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I did see Nomad WWE4. There's no E in there. No, WW84. Oh, I thought oh, you said 84. E4. Sorry, these <laughs> headphones. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's better. That's the spot. I can hear that's what we're spot. talking about now. Uh, yeah, and then I seen the Frances McDormand uh, film Nomad Land, where she uh, gets in a camper van and just uh, goes around. I hear that's very good. It is a very good film. It's a very slow paced mm. film, but it's uh, it's interesting because I think it. You know, that life, you know, just giving up everything and just getting out and, you know, getting back to nature and living on so little can be quite uh, powerful. Well, um, I saw a couple of years... Uh, it's a couple of years. Oh, my God. Um, I'm still trying to look for Alan's thing. I'm s- seriously struggling with Facebook. <laughs> um, but I also watched a couple of uh, movies this year. Uh, sorry, this year. Oh, my goodness. It's the end of a, a long day for me. Um, Dream Builders, uh, oh. which is out next week. It's a kid's film. Watch that with Bryce. Um, we also watched Jingle Jangle. I had tried to get Bryce to watch it just before Christmas, um, but he didn't. And Alan Randall listed it as one of the films that he watched. So we sat down and watched it and, and watched it twice in the end. And also watched season one of Castle Rock, which we talked about oh, right. on um, Tangent City, the Stephen King kind of oh, TV. Yeah. Yes, I'm super excited to see what you have to say about this one. Well, I watched the first season in two days. There's oh, wow. ten episodes and they're all like 45 to an hour long. So, My understanding mm. of Castle Rock is it incorporates um, different characters and stories of Stephen King or is that yeah, not quite so accurate? It's, I may as well talk about it now yeah. since I'm, I'm there. So it, 
it's an anthology series similar to American Horror Story where each season is a, a completely different thing and it does take place in the town of Castle Rock which features heavily in a lot of Stephen King novels, um, Castle Rock in Maine. Mm-hmm. A lot of bad things happen there and they do make a lot of references. Um, if you're not a Stephen King fan it wouldn't actually matter if you didn't get any of the references. But if you are a Stephen King fan, they are nice little um, bits that are dropped in that things get mentioned. Like there's one mention of um, a character says that was the year um, after they found the body on the tracks. So they're obviously referencing the um, the short story, The Body, which mm-hmm. became the, the movie Stand By Me. So this series is not technically based on anything that Stephen King has written. It's an original Mm -hmm. piece, but it does bring in characters, a couple of characters that have been um, in other works of his, specifically uh, Sheriff Alan Pangbong, Pang, 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 I can never, I can't, Pang, Pangbong, anyway. (laughs) Sheriff Alan. Sheriff Allen, that's right, who was in Needful Things and uh, not The Dark Tower, something else, um, Obviously not the Dark Tower, uh, but something else anyway that that happened in Castle Rock. So they do make reference, but this particular, the first series, um, it begins, or first season I should say, it begins with, um, I forget what his name is, but he played Locke in Lost. Um, anyway, so he is a, a warden at Shawshank um, Prison. Oh. He is finishing up his run at Shawshank. He's retiring. He's got quite a large severance pay. Um, so he, he looks like he's heading into retirement in quite a good way. However, um, some people don't like retirement and he he chooses to take his own life. Oh, wow. Oh, so that's gosh. in the first... Um, that's in the first uh, episode, right? Right at the beginning. Um, That's so but, sad. I look forward to retirement. Not, not even get up and do stuff. Well, anymore. some of the things he's been doing in in the twenty seven uh, years. A bad has, person. He's he's a bad person. Well, it, it's it's yet to be seen. Like I've seen it all, so I've got opinions about it. It's but his, it's his, it's his, uh, it's his uh, conscience is getting to him. That's right. Yeah. Um, so. What happens is there's a part of the Shawshank prison that's been closed since 87. Uh, there was a big fire there, which I think is another reference to another Stephen King thing that I can't recall. But anyway, the warden, this particular warden takes over in 85, closes that section in 87, finds this um, kid in 1991, although the kid is not a really a kid. He's like in his 20s. He's, mm. He looks young, but he's actually not. Um He's played by Bill Skarsgård. So he finds this particular guy, um, (laughs) yeah, so he played um, Pennywise Pennywise in It and he he believes that he is the devil and all of these bad things that have been happening in Castle Rock for all these years have all been because the devil has been in town. So he figures if I lock the devil up, these bad things will stop happening and that kind of happens. Um, you know, things in Castle Rock do try to set, do sort of settle down while this person is imprisoned. Um, so there's that. And then on the other side of that, you've got a young 11-year-old boy, um, Henry Deaver, who goes missing. Uh, I think he's 11, who goes missing for uh, 11 days, basically. So you're also seeing what his life is like um, as he's grown older. and But you kind of, you see how these lives connect it's really interesting and like every Stephen King 
novel or movie, it keeps you guessing the whole way through. And there's, if you are a Stephen King fan, there are, you kind of have an idea of where it might be going towards like towards the end of the series. It's so good though. I, I was not happy about the end of it though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I wasn't happy with how it ended, but I'm choosing to delete some of the memories and having it end the way I want it to end. And then, yeah. Is, but I'm really intrigued for you to see it. Is it scary? Um, there's scary elements to it, but it's not a shock horror type situation because really Stephen King is is advertised as a horror mm. guy, but he's really not. It's all about character and there are some creepy things that are going on, but you're not really getting too many like in-your-face scares or anything like that. There's some creepy stuff. Mm. but um, Is there a supernatural element There is this? a supernatural okay. element. You've got Melanie Linsky playing Molly, who mm-hmm. is a childhood friend of, of Henry D- Diva, and she has a similar gift to Danny Torrance, so, ah, you know, reading cool. minds. And she has a particular strong connection to Henry Diva and really um, can hear everything that he's thinking and... She takes medication um, that she she buys illegally to try to dampen out the noise from everybody because she can just hear everything that's going on. And you can imagine Castle Rock has some not so great things going on. Mm. So um, she's kind of a shell of a person. So there's a lot of really fantastic actors in this. Um, Scott Glenn, uh, Sissy Spacek. Oh, uh, another like, connection. <laughs> yes, yeah, another connection. That's right. Bill Skarsgård, obviously. Um, uh, and what's her name? Kuzak. And Kuzak is in this as well. So there's, there's a lot of really fantastic people in this. And if you are a Stephen King fan, there's a lot of great references that you'd probably have to watch a couple of times to get all of them. Um, but I'm also binge listening to the Losers Club <laughs> as they go through every episode of them. And it's great to listen to them. It's a podcast, a Stephen King podcast, to to hear all the things that I missed because yeah. there's a lot of stuff that I missed and I sort of want to re-watch it now that I've watched the end of it to see the things I missed. Mm. So um, that is showing on Binge. Binge. I do like binge. I've recently got binge uh, where I've been watching The Flight Attendant, which oh, uh, yeah. is a, I think it's about 10 episodes, but I got through it in about two days. But um, it's got uh, the girl... Hayley Cuco? Yes, from the mm. uh, Big Bang Theory who plays a flight attendant who uh, I suppose finds herself embroiled in a bit of a... Uh, a murder mystery and she has to kind of prove her innocence uh, because, you know, she has this one night stand with this guy she meets on a plane and, yeah, wakes up, he's dead. This all happens in the, the first episode slash trailer. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, essentially she's just got to prove her, her innocence. And uh, turns out there's a lot more going on than uh, meets the eye with this one. But uh, interestingly, it's been picked up for a second series. So I think they probably could have finished it all in one series and I think it would have been spot on but they've decided to go for a second series Mm. which um it's interesting because I like to see you know I like the fact that there is another series but I don't want it to get a little bit overboard yeah so I think um with Castle Rock they only ever did two seasons because this Mm -hmm. this one started the first season was 2018 second one 2019 I don't know if they're making any more I haven't done research but I have a feeling they're not 
The second season is about young Annie Wilkes. So oh. I don't know exactly yeah. what they're doing to look into her life, but obviously she, if you are a King fan, you'll know she is the, the main chick in misery. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah. I've also been listening to The Losers Club um, as yeah. recommended by yourself and uh, some of their episodes I find really fascinating the yeah. way they go because they're quite long. They're about three hours. Oh, my God, um, they're so long. Yeah. So, yeah, but they do uh, book and then also film, TV adaptations of, you know, Stephen King. So I, I went back and did the Dr. Sleep one uh, a while back. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I love it. I love their uh, in-depth. Uh, I know. I feel like I've, I've always been a fan of Stephen King, but I listen to these guys and then they're like encyclopedic. Oh, yeah, the stuff and the knowledge that they have. And I'm mm. just wondering if it's worth listening to their podcast on Castle Rock before watching or nah. vice versa. Oh, nah. so back to front? Uh, watch the season before you listen because if you listen, you end Spoilers. up getting yeah. slightly spoiled. I made sure I waited until... Yeah. Because the whole point of watching it is to get all of that suspense and to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really intriguing. Um, but, yeah. That sounds very good. I, I was um, – Mark Bernarden, who does the uh, Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith, he was one of the writers on the first season of Castle Rock. Oh, cool. Um, so that's kind of why I'm interested in, in checking it out, just to see uh, see what that's like. Oh, but yeah, because he left Fat Man on Batman to, to – No, no, he kept on doing no, it. No, he, he kept did? kept on doing it, yeah, yeah. Did he leave something to go to write? Uh, he left his career as a journalist. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, and on binge, is there um, oh, the what's her, what's her name? The uh, um, ah, can't believe I'm blanking on her name. Um, Rose from Doctor Who. Uh, oh, Billy no, Piper. That's on Stan. That's, on Stan? that's Stan. Oh. That's the problem. You have to get uh, everything. And I have to admit, with binge, I'm still on my trial because I wanted to watch mm-hmm. this series. But now that Castle Rock's on it, I think I'm going to have to go th- over my. Uh, um, I, I've had it for months. Yeah. <laughs> but you, I would have just got it like, oh, I'm just going to do this for for the trial period, then I'll uh-huh. cancel it. <laughs> and it's expensive. It's fourteen dollars a month mm-hmm. or something. So it's. It's the most expensive streaming service we have. Um, but it, there's a lot of really good TV series on there and that's the reason I've kept it because I'm like, you know, and it's good to also have a, another streaming service with kids' movies on it mm-hmm. for Bryce because you can't get everything with with um, Disney Plus and everything. Speaking of Disney Plus, have you all watched Soul yet? Yes, I, uh, I caught oh, Soul on no, the... Oh, I didn't. But I did watch Mulan. Yeah. Oh, very good. Sorry, I did watch something. I, I haven't watched Disney. that yet. What were your thoughts on... Do you want to uh, synopsize Soul? Did you watch Soul with Bryce? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because this is what I want to know. Is because, okay, Soul is a Pixar film, right? And when you say uh, Pixar film, you're thinking, you know, Toy Story, Cars, um, uh, Inside Out, mm. uh, Bugs Life. You know, all those films where predominantly they are for, for children, but they also appeal to adults as well. Mm. This is definitely more appealing to adults with more adult content. And I don't mean... No, no, it's adult not. concepts. Yeah, I mean the the story is about Joe Gardner, who is this uh, musician, and his passion in life is to play the piano and be in a like a jazz band, mm. and you know be able to do that as his career. But things haven't worked out from so far, and he's working as a teacher, working with children, trying to share his love of music with the kids. Uh, but the 
he he reaches a crossroads in his life because he's given permanency as a teacher, which is a big thing because he was only doing temping kind of stuff. Mm. But at the same day, he gets the opportunity to uh, go and uh, go and uh, audition for a part in a jazz band quartet, <laughs> uh, which could help to you know. Which is kind of what he's always wanted to do, really. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then he gets offered the the gig. And so he is ecstatic and he just runs around. And then all of a sudden he kind of dies. But he doesn't really die. He's kind of like in this limbo stage. So he's not like he's 100% dead. Yeah. So, but he is on his way out. He's going up an escalator to the pearly gates and it looks like it's all, all over Red Rover. Mm. But then he finds a way out of the, uh, the elevator to heaven and finds himself in the land of new souls. Um, so obviously this is a world where reincarnation doesn't exist. So, yeah, uh, and he goes... Well, I, I took it that reincarnation... Oh, no, it wouldn't, would no, it? Because you've got new souls. Yeah. Coming, old souls are die, they go to heaven. Mm. New souls are you know, blank slates that mm. they kind of imprint you know, different traits on before they like kick them into, into earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so just from what I've said so far, you can go, that sounds really heavy. That does not sound like a kid's film. <laughs> no. And this to me was really like uh, Pixar going, here is an uh, adult film. I hope the kids like the colour. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why I was really interested. Yeah. You know, uh, before I, before I ask the question, mm. um, you've got some really big uh, guys in here like uh, Jamie Foxx is playing Joe Gardner, Tina Fey plays another character called 22 who's a new soul, uh, a new soul who has no interest in going to work. Uh, no, she really doesn't want to go to Earth at all. That's why she's number 22. They're, they're up to like m- million numbers Millions, yeah. and they're still trying to convince her she needs to go to Earth and mm-hmm. she's had all of these teachers before try to teach her about like getting ready for Earth and she's like, nah, 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 nah. So she gets paired off finally with um, with Joe Gardner. Yeah. Ah. Uh, and then you've got some supporting characters, uh, people who like uh, Hamilton uh, would know uh, David Diggs uh, who plays Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who like uh, comedy, British comedy, would know Richard Ayoade. Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say Graham... Um Graham, Graham Norton, Norton I was as well. Say, I was going to say Graham Norton as well, uh, but Richard Ayoade. Like, Rachel House is in this as well. Yes. You don't recognise her voice at all. Mm. But, yeah, I was. Uh, I just thought the cast was great and I was so surprised when uh, – because Cat Toby, Richard Ayoade was in there. I mm. would have picked up his voice like that anyway. Yeah. I did that when he when he came up in The Mandalorian. I went, oh, it's Richard Ayoade. I, I didn't look at the listing and yeah. as soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, Richard. Yeah, yeah. Richard's <laughs> on in there. And, and when uh, Graham Norton spoke, I was just like, oh, my God, that's Graham Norton. Yeah. But then Cat kind of threw a spanner in the works because uh, you, you see him in two different versions. Mm. And in the second version, he kind of sounded a little bit like Ben Kingsley doing the um, Mandarin from, yeah. uh, from Iron Man 3. And then I was like going, is it Graham Norton? No, it is Graham Norton. And I was questioning myself. <laughs> but. It's a it's a great movie, but is it a kids' film? Are kids going to enjoy it? That is why I asked the question. So it's really heavy, and there are parts of it towards the end um, where I, I won't give too much away. But Twenty Two has some really um, she's got some emotional issues, and she is getting almost like 
she's been imprinted on by all of these other teachers who have told her she's useless, uh, she's never going to get it. So she's got all of this negative talk inside her, which is really what goes on inside everyone. It's all the voices of all the people who have told us at some point that we've not done the right thing and it just swirls around and around her head. And I found that really upsetting and it did make me cry. I'm like, oh, poor 22, I just want to pick you up and cuddle you and say you're okay. Don't listen to these people. Um, and, of, co- uh, of course, Bryce looked at me immediately because he was like, this is really sad, Mum. I'm like, I know, it is sad. Um, so he enjoyed parts of it but he found it quite emotional mm. and Bryce is quite and he's very in touch with his emotions um I I don't know if that's normal for four-year-olds but he's pretty um yeah he's pretty sensitive like we watched Jingle Jangle and the first time we watched it um he burst out in tears because it's a musical and there was one particular song where Forrest Whitaker is singing and um he's singing about I wish I could believe again and it's quite an emotional song but I wasn't crying and, yeah, Bryce just got very upset. He finds music particularly, yeah, emotional. So, um, yeah, I don't think he would want to watch it again. I think he found it too sad. Whereas Jingle Jangle, he we watched again the next day. So I, I, I don't know, to be honest, because I'm, I'm making parallels between Inside Out because that – also dealt with some kind of heavy issues. Mm, mm. Um, but easier to but explain to children because of the, the yeah. characters in it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, how do you explain the concepts in this film to children? Because you don't. really but it's not real though, is it? Like any of this stuff that's happening because we're talking well, about... Well, is it? You don't know. Well, I guess we're talking about death and I just wonder from, oh, I guess on a... I don't know. Like I've always been very troubled by the idea of death. I lost a, like a friend when I was really young. So mm. as a result, I've always been really um, kind of from a very young age, asked my parents about what all this meant and mm. probably got the wrong messaging. I, I don't know if it was the right or the wrong message. I'm not quite sure. But as a result. Parents just say whatever exactly. feels right at so the time. <laughs> I just wonder how children, what kind of questions they might ask and what kind of answers they might receive based on this film. I might be thinking yeah. too deeply. I no, haven't no. seen it. I so. think it depends on the child mm-hmm. and they are pretty self-regulatory about like, okay. this is how much I want to ask right now. Mm-hmm. So Bryce didn't ask me any questions at all. Um, we have had conversations about death for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds really morbid, but it, it's it's natural and it needs to be because mm-hmm. it, it happens. Yeah. Um, but I mean, our conversations have been along the lines of, oh, look at that worm. That worm's died because it was on the pavement and it got really hot. Let's mm-hmm. go bury it. Those are kind of things that we talk about. And his nana is dead, so he's he's never met Chris's mum. So we talk about Diana quite a lot or mm-hmm. dying quite a lot. So, um, yeah, those kind of things we've talked about, but not not that sort of thing. It's a, it's so a tough one, it is, isn't it? Maybe I yeah. need to see the film before I start saying things like that because maybe it's not quite... Not at all. I, mean, I think it depends who you are. I mean, mm. for me personally, I'm probably going to be sitting there the whole time going, oh, my God, like, you know, this is talking about stuff that, you know, it's not... I don't know, but... There is that yeah. particular scene. Did you find that scene upsetting? Which scene was that? Where 22's got all of these, like, all of those teachers that she's had, all the mentors, like... Mm in her mind basically mm-hmm. telling her how rubbish she is. Aww. Did you find that upsetting? No, not really. Oh. No. 
No. <laughs> Your response? No, not really. Um, <laughs> you could just tell what kind of issues I have. Well, no, no. It's it's kind of like, uh, yeah. I mean, the negative self talk. I, yes. I I can understand, but yeah. I think there it was just the frustration of these. You know, a lot of them were academics and yeah. you know intelligent people and people who teach for you know that was their life mm-hmm. was teaching, and for them it was frustrating that she just didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's. You know that that's the kind of thing where I kind of saw her as you know a free thinker and you know you know all power to you if you don't want to go to Earth don't go to Earth I can quite understand it it's a bit crappy down here, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah that that didn't I didn't get that from that particular that particular thing, but I do find the um, the the fact that it's a very you know Christian kind of concept yeah. of of life and death, mm-hmm. so that that's an interesting thing because yeah you know, obviously you know. Not everyone's Christian, so you know, a lot of people, um, you know, think that uh, you die and you basically cease to be. Uh, and then there's uh, you know, other religions who think that you die and you get reincarnated as something else. Mm. Uh, and then there's you know, d- there's different perspectives on on, on death. So uh, it's interesting if that'll have an effect on people when they watch this, if they can go with the ride, knowing that it's based on a very specific kind of you know set of belief. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it'll depend on what the child has, <clears throat> what that child has already had imprinted on them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Bryce didn't. I mean, we don't talk about heaven and all that sort of stuff, so he doesn't have any concept of it. I don't think, unless he's had conversations with other people. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to give this. Uh, we have to score mm. it. Um, I'm going to give it. Um, three amazing trombone solos. I will give it uh, three very cool hats. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Oh. (laughs) 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 Rachel just asked me a question off air uh, and just just as we're going back on air, it's like... You went to respond and I pressed the buttons. Hey. I I did watch... uh, I got bought on Blu-ray New Mutants and I watched that as well. Um, So, which is... I actually thought it was better than the recent X-Men films that they put out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might like this one because it's kind of kind of got a horror edge to it Ooh. but it's a really light horror edge yeah. like to the point that cat watched it and didn't get scared you know <laughs> didn't didn't go it passed the cat yeah, test how <laughs> dare you let me watch this film it's horror you horrible person it was horror kind of like in the the vein of buffy oh okay yeah, yeah. in fact if you're a Buffy fan, there is like direct references to, to, to Buffy in this film. There's actual scenes from Buffy in this film. Oh, my gosh. Really? really? Awesome. I think I'll give this one yeah. a go for sure. Yeah. If you want, I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but if you want to borrow the Blu-ray, let me know and you can Excellent. borrow Excellent. What was it called again? Uh, New Mutants. New Mutants. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's, it's basically set in the same world as the X-Men. Oh, okay. Um, but they're uh, mutants who have been taken to this asylum to be taught how to use their powers but maybe there's an ulterior motive. And it's very, if you've ever watched any film where people have powers and they get taken to a special institution, you know what the ulterior motive is. <laughs> yeah. It's always the Super same soldier. ulterior motive. <laughs> right. But, what's that? Super soldier, Pretty right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's really good though uh, and, and I enjoyed that one. But I won't dwell on that one because we've got a lot of other stuff to get through. We do. Um, so I, I will quickly mention I've finally found Alan's list um, – um, so he, he's got it in sort of some kind of order. Um, the top one was Onward, which is the Disney Plus, um, the 
I think it's is it a Pixar film? Pixar film. It right. is Pixar. It's, yeah, that was great. We've so watched was, it that, multiple that, times. That this was year. the kids one. That, 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 yeah, yeah, here this that is the kids one. Kids. <laughs> Although it is about a dead dad being brought back to life, and only half of him comes back. So you know, <laughs> somebody's <laughs> always with dead. What's all these movies about death? Maybe I know because in Up the, the the lady dies at the start. I don't like it. I think that's it's, why I don't watch any of these. <laughs> oh, no. All these conversations need to be brought up with children. They A do. lot of Disney films is kind of like dead parents. <laughs> it, it features heavily yeah, in Snow like White. everything. Yeah, Snow White, dead parents, Frozen, dead parents, <laughs> Bambi, yeah. dead mum. Oh, I know um, Lion King. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why I'm traumatized. I think it's the Lion King. Too many too dead yeah. too many dead parents. Um, like I said, Alan also watched Jingle Jangle. Um, said the songs were great. I completely agree. Queen's Gambit, of course, he he mentioned. Um, and he said once you get past the first episode, it gets really good. I think that's to me because I keep, like, saying, yeah, the first episode. But, yeah. Um, and he just says the last episode, hell, that last season uh, scene, that is her victory. So I'm, I am looking forward to watching that. The King Eternal Monarch, this is on Netflix. I don't know anything about this, but it seems it sounds really, really interesting. Um, so it was his favourite TV show of the year, only just. A king from an alternate universe finds a doorway to ours and teams up with a detective to unru- unravel a mystery that threatens both worlds. Ooh, that actually sounds really It does, cool. <laughs> doesn't it? It does sound really good. He's put the old guard on here, another Netflix. Oh, yes. That's good. Um, Birds of Prey, um, just big dumb fun, really. Um, oh, Birds of Prey is in that uh, Harley Quinn film? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lock and Key, he's mentioned as well, mm. was very enjoyable. Um, Underwater. Um, oh, that I was think that Kristen Stewart with, one, yeah. wasn't it? I enjoyed that too. Good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Um, he, didn't they, put, he didn't put Umbrella Academy there? No. There's Alan, watch Umbrella Academy if you haven't seen it. <laughs> he probably has. He's forgotten that. I don't no, know. I'm going to watch that one that he recommended, The King one. What's that one called? Uh, do, 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 do. The King, Eternal Monarch. It's on Netflix. That. that sounds really um, good. So a vagrant queen on SBS. This is another one that sounds really interesting. Uh, in a distant galaxy, a deposed royal lives as a scavenger, staying one step ahead of an insane officer who wants her dead. He's really good at encapsulating these, like <laughs> being really on point with what the story's about. Enola Holmes, again, Netflix, Snowpiercer, so he's only just gotten around to watching that. Oh, hang on, no, that, there's a TV series, isn't there? Yes, yeah. Okay, the, that's um, what he's talking about. Jennifer, is it Jennifer Connolly? In it near. Yeah, I think In it so. near. Yeah. Uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War on Netflix. Um, Spencer Com- Confidential on Netflix. Dracula on Netflix. I did not even know there was a Dracula on Netflix. Yeah, the, the Dracula on Netflix. Very interesting. It's done by Stephen Moffat, who did ah, Doctor Who. Which explains the English lawyer side of things. Um, and then he said on the bad side, uh, Artemis Fowl. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, and Scoob, which is, you know, Scooby-Doo. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I want to watch it. So um, after reading that, I was like, yeah, definitely got to watch Jingle Jangle. Um, and just briefly on that, actually, I might just – have I still got his stuff up? I'm just going to read his synopsis because he's done it quite well. Um, an inventor is ruined and loses everything, including his family, until his estranged granddaughter comes to stay with him. Uh, so it's a musical. That's a really, really good – short synopsis um you've got Forrest Whitaker playing um uh Jericus I think is his name he's the inventor and he's like a toy inventor and um his protege or um his his assistant basically steals his 
book of inventions and becomes like a massive success. So it kind of has a Willy Wonka f- sort of effect on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, and then Journey, the granddaughter, comes along and she's kind of uh, brings out the inventor again because he's kind of lost all belief in himself and everything. So, um, and there's a couple of really fantastic songs in there. Uh, one that um, Journey the Granddaughter sings called Impossible or Impossible. I can't remember. It's not exactly the words impossible. Um, and then there's another one um, that my son likes. He says, uh, the song with the checkered backup dances. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so that was great. We watched it twice. Um, so the other film I want to talk so I'm going to give that three and a half um, Check up backup dances. So that's Love on it. Netflix if you uh, still feel like watching some Disney stuff. Um, Dream Builders. So this is a Danish animation. It's technically not out until January the 7th and we got sent the screener and, you know, I, I'm always up for watching a screener of an animation film that I can sit and enjoy with my son because I'm actually not the audience they're, they're playing at. Um because he absolutely loved this film and I did not enjoy it um, because I felt like it was pulling from things I'd already seen. So the basis is um, there's a young girl called Mina and she's living quite a happy life with her dad um, and her dad starts a relationship and basically his girlfriend and his girlfriend's daughter move in to their house. So you've got the evil stepsister scenario going on um, and it's this little girl called Jenny who's obsessed with her phone and taking selfies. It's like it just feels like a like a formulaic sort of thing. And then you've got Mina who is like not interested in that sort of thing and um, her favourite thing in life really is her pet hamster who she's called Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Which is probably <laughs> the best thing about this film. So basically um, while she's having a dream, she figures out a way of getting behind the scenes of her own dream and meeting the dream builders. <laughs> so now that she's figured this out, she wants to change Jenny, her her possible stepsister, um, through her dreams by infiltrating her dreams and oh, changing her that way. Inception. So, yes, Inception. Inception. Um, <laughs> so the idea came out in 2012 when um, the director, Kim Hagen Jensen, he actually had a dream about the film. So he dreamt that he went through his dream and did exactly what Mina does in the movie. So that's where it started. So the the issues I have are about dialogue um, being a bit um, formulaic and simple and, you know, like I could have written that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I wonder if some things have been lost in translation because it is a Danish film. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing I had a problem with was the whole dream situation. I feel like we saw that in Inside Out and I feel like Inside Out did it a lot better. Um, but my son absolutely loved this film. So I'm not the audience. It doesn't matter what I think really. Um, but I would probably go and see The Croods again before I went <laughs> and saw this. Uh, and I'm going to give this three hamsters, but Bryce gave it five that's so, so cute. Is it voice <coughs> dubbed? Because it obvi- it's obviously it's, not subtitled because... No, it's all in English. It's all in English, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it had good elements, but, yeah. I can just imagine for the subtitle, Bryce is going, I have no idea what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's going on, but I like the hamster. <laughs> Vigo Mortensen. That's so cute.
that. So, um, <laughs> shall we move on to Wonder Woman 84? Yeah, let's talk WW84. Um, the Because I was a massive fan of the first Wonder Woman film by Patty Jenkins uh, starring Gal Gadot um, because it was, you know, up until the point of the, the, the end of the film where they just had this big CGI god, mm-hmm. um, it was actually a really enjoyable film. It was a, a fish-out-of-water film. You had Wonder Woman, you had uh, Dinah Prince who had been brought up on Themyscira and so she'd be on this island which was populated by women and for the first time she met a, a man and she had to go back to the the real world, I guess, um, to help defend them so that uh, you know, the, the world didn't fall apart because Ares, the god of war, uh, was manipulating things in the background and so she was going there to, to stop him. And so it was a fish out of water you know, situation because Diana's like walking around in this world just going, oh my God, what's this, what's this, what's mm-hmm. this? Um, and uh, there were some really powerful scenes like the, the scene where she goes through no man's land mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, she just becomes a hero in her own right. And we haven't seen a Wonder Woman on screen since, you know, the late 70s when um, Linda Carter played the original Wonder Woman. I mean, there hasn't been a live action. You know, they tried to do a TV show uh, a few years ago uh, that didn't get past the pilot stage. But you know, now we've got an actual, you know, Wonder Woman that we see on screen several times, uh, you know, Gal, Gal Gadot just really embodies the character uh, and it, it was fantastic. And so it was you know, clear you were going to get a, a follow-up to it. So the first film was set in uh, World War One, and this film is set in uh, 1984. And it was... Um, the, the film is about uh, Wonder Woman, uh, about uh, uh, Diana still dealing with her grief from... Uh, which is weird because, like, you know, uh, Steve Trevor died you know, back in, you know, the early 20s, I think. And so, <laughs> so to still be grieving it him... It was before the early 20s. Yeah, before Bef- the early 20s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to still be grieving him, uh, you know, 70 years later kind of thing, it was kind of like, wow, that was a hell of a week you have with him. I know, because how much do you fall in love with someone in one week? <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a, it's, it's a hell of a, you it's know... It's an infatuation, it's, really, it's, isn't it? It is, and maybe that's why she never got over it, because she didn't get into the groove of just being in a relationship and being like... Why doesn't he pick his towel up off the floor? <laughs> yeah, I really hope that she didn't like you know she had other relationships that just yeah. weren't as good over that period of time. I feel well, really, they certainly wouldn't be as exciting, would yeah, they? I feel really bad if she had a seventy-year dry spell; it would be pretty, pretty full on. Um, but yeah, so she uh, is you know still pining for for Steve Trevor. Um, she's like you know getting on with her life uh, as Wonder Woman, doing like heroic deeds, but like really you know, not doing them in, uh, you know, in the open. So people don't know that Wonder Woman exists. Uh, people see glimpses of her and stuff like that, but they don't know who she is. Um, and, like, if she is, there's, a, there's a, a scene at the beginning where she takes out all the security cameras and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which is easier to be uh, anonymous back in 80, the 80s because there weren't that many security cameras and That's stuff like true. that around, <laughs> um, which is probably why they said it in the 80s. Um, but uh, they, she comes across um, through one of her colleagues, played by Kristen Wiig, uh, Barbara Minerva, this stone. And this stone has got, uh, you know, historical godlike significance because it is a, a wishing stone. And kind of every time it turns up, it has dramatic effects on the world. Um, and so when she's holding this stone, she doesn't, you know, actively think or doesn't actively say, I wish to have uh, Steve Trevor back. 
but obviously she subconsciously uh, wishes for that. Mm-hmm. And so he does come back. And so Chris Pine is in this uh, movie as well. But there's a – it's the uh, – I didn't really think about it at the time of watching the film, right? At the time I watched the film, I was like going, ah, yeah, Chris Pine's back as Steve Trevor. Awesome. This is great. Fantastic. And then afterwards you kind of like – you question the way they brought him back because uh, he doesn't just like pop up and he's like, you know, Chris uh, Pine and he's, you know – Steve Trevor and it's all cool. He turns up in the body of another person. Mm-hmm. So he it's his mind in somebody else's body and then it brings up a whole issue of consent and things like that because you know you can't just take over somebody's body and get that person to do stuff that they may not like to be doing so but i didn't really think about that until after the fact and other people mentioned it i was going oh yeah hang on that is pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah it's it's interesting for that that point of view um but because it's a uh, you, you, you're um, uh, you, you're like wishing stone mm. is the a major plot point in the film. Uh, you've got uh, pa- Pedro Pascal, who is the Mandalorian in the Mandalorian, uh, playing uh, Maxwell Lord, and he knows about this stone. He's researched this stone, and he has figured out that if you get the stone and you wish to be the stone, to have the power of the wish, then you can like take – because all the wishes, uh, there's going to be a negative side to it. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of profits off the negative side to the wishes. Um, so it's quite it's quite interesting there. And you've also got Kirsten Wig, uh, Barbara Minerva. She is the colleague to Diana Prince and she is the one that gets the stone to analyse it to begin with. Um, and she's a kind of, you know, a mousy kind of not confident, yeah. although very intelligent woman. And then she makes an initial wish to be like Diana Prince and that gives her a lot more than she expects. Um, <laughs> and, but that wasn't enough for her as well. So it's interesting having her – she plays Cheetah and then you've got Maxwell Lord. So you've got um, the physical threat and then uh, a threat that's not physical but it's kind of metaphysical. So um, it's, a, it's, it's a good movie. It's a great ride. It, it like starts off from the very opening scene. You see the young Diana um, entering a competition against fully grown Amazons and almost kicking their butts, um, so, which is great because you get to see Robin Wright as Antipi uh, and uh, you get to see Connie Nielsen as Hippolyta again. Um, the young girl who plays the young Diana, Lily Aspel, she was fantastic, really, really good. Um, so you get that big action sequence there and then you go to 84 and then you get to see like the, you know, Diana being Wonder Woman, you know, doing it in the in the background and, and that sort of thing. Uh, it's really action-packed the whole way through. Um, there is a lot of Easter eggs in this film as well. Um, there's a particularly big one that happens <laughs> up in the sky where, like, fans of uh, the old Super Friends cartoons and stuff like that will just lose their shiznit. Uh, I know I did. Um, I, yeah, the film is great. And I, uh, in a lot of points in this film, had tears in my eyes. Aww. Um <laughs> I think it could be to do with the fact that this year has just been such a kick in the balls um, in regards to you know blockbuster films, superhero films, like being able to go and just sit in a theatre with a big screen and big sound and like just get taken away in, in a fantasy world. And so 
doing it like so close to the end of the year. This was literally the first big blockbuster, the first superhero film, and I'm just so glad they managed to, to slip it in. And I, and I hope that if uh, you are in a part of the world that is safe to go to the cinema, you got to go and experience it there. Um, and if you didn't, then hopefully you got access to HBO Plus so you can um, uh, watch it there as well. Oh, HBO Max, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of... Um, so I'm on another Facebook group um, for another movie podcast and a lot of them are uh, of people on there are American. They're, a lot of them are watching it on um, HBO Max. Nobody seems to be happy with it. Um, so part of me is wondering if that's because they're missing part of the joy that happens when you're at the cinemas, when the screen is big and the action is in your face. But mm, mm. Um, I... I tried. I we tried to watch Wonder Woman, the original one. Bryce wanted to watch it, so um, yeah. But I, I I did watch it with him, but I just got I got really bored, like I did the first time around, and I I don't know that I would be as interested in the second one because I wasn't all that interested in the first one. Um, and also, I keep reading reviews that are mm. so bad. Some people said they just turned it off. I honestly enjoyed the <coughs> second one more than the first one um, because with this one because uh, Steve Trevor comes back you're taking you're getting the man out of time mm. kind of fish out of water thing so you kind of got that Captain America uh, which they didn't really play on that as much in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe just a little bit here I and get there. that reference yeah but in Wonder Woman like you, you get a whole like uh, him trying on different clothes and not yep. understanding the world also you get to see the wonderment as well like when he sees a, a jumbo jet he's yeah. like holy yeah. I liked the fact I liked the 80s because it really evoked that style mm. like I loved the way that you felt like you were watching kind of an 80s film as well because they're wearing you know all the 80s clothes mm, mm. Uh, you know there's that scene at the mall which feels very 80s like so I quite liked that I did find the film a little bit cheesy but Particularly the end when, um, you know, Maxwell has kind of got a lot of the world, you know, wishing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, the ending was a little bit cheesy. But, I mean, I guess Wonder Woman is a little bit cheesy, if I, that makes I sense. Think, I think they were aiming for cheese. Yeah, like, especially from, set in the 80s. That's that's yeah. kind of what those movies were about that's in right. the 80s. right. You know, it's it's definitely an 80s thing to be cheesy. Mm-hmm. So it felt right. But and they were trying to make – they weren't just trying to make a – a uh, Wonder Woman film set in the eighties. They were mm-hmm. trying to make an eighties film, mm-hmm. yeah. and and I, I think they kind of achieved that. Although they they didn't put as much eighties music in there as I would have thought. Yeah, like you should have just heavily loaded this thing up with a lot of eighties music because mm. you know you're putting eighty four in the title, like you mm. really play to that. I'm thinking about you know um, with Captain Marvel, they really played with mm. that nineties theme and had lots of nineties music in there. So I wonder if that was what was missing. I mean, 84 was a great year. Ghostbusters came out that mm, year. Yeah, a lot true. of great movies came out in the 80, 84. Mm. But I've got to admit the, uh, like, I still love this film, but the, uh, like the fight scenes and the CG, something about the way that DC do them, they just don't look as realistic as what Marvel is doing. Yeah. Like, I mean, you think about the... I would agree with you yeah. there. That was my main mm. issue with, with the first mm. one, like with her, um, her fight scene with with Ares mm. just kind of pulled me out of the movie. Yeah. You see, because there, there are bits where just like all of a sudden she goes from being a human being to being an animated character. Mm. It just doesn't look, look mm. realistic. Whereas with the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I mean, you look at Endgame and that, that final fight scene and although it was unearthly and everything like that, it mm. still felt like everyone was present 
in in the scene. Well, because they uh, a lot of the times they they had a lot of green screen mm. in the background, but they were all there in the foreground doing the actual yeah. choreography and stuff. I, I mean, you think about the uh, you know the, the, in Infinity War that uh, fight in Wakanda where they're in the the jungle and everything mm. like that, and they're like running towards the battle, and you go, oh my god, they went to an actual jungle and filmed this in an actual jungle. It was like, no, they didn't. It's they Atlanta did on a soundstage. It's just ridiculous. Mm. So yeah, it's uh, but that that is my 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 main gripe. Like mm. other than that, like I love the feel of it. I love the you know the, the way it was acted. Uh, I mean, the story is is cheesy as hell. Uh, it's it's a Swiss cheese plot. It's just got <laughs> holes. It's got I holes. think it's, it pot. sounds like as long as you <laughs> accept that it's going to be cheesy, mm. and that it's basically an eighties movie, then you need to sort of be a little bit more accepting and that's maybe where people have been giving it really bad reviews because they weren't expecting it to be as cheesy as it was. Sometimes you just got to go into a movie and accept what it is and just be like, no, that's like like what um, Alan said about something. It's just dumb fun. Yeah. Like just enjoy yeah. it for what it is. That's it. So, mm. but what did you think? Yeah, look, I loved the 80s feel about the film right from the beginning. Um, and for the most part, I really enjoyed this film, but it, it is cheesy. It really is, particularly towards the end. Um, but I absolutely loved um, Kristen Wiig's character, um, Barbara. She felt very 80s in this film as well. So I really liked her. Um, I don't know if I liked the way her story went, but, uh, you know, you get that. But overall, I quite enjoyed this film and I think I enjoyed it better than the first one too mm. so because origin origin stories can sometimes be a little bit wearing mm. um the whole time i was watching it with bryce he eventually got bored because he's like when does she become wonder woman i'm like she is already wonder woman yeah but because she wasn't in her outfit he just didn't see it mm. so i think he, just the wrong age group probably but um so how are we scoring this guys uh, well, I am going to give uh, Wonder Woman 84 four gold armors. Ooh, I'm going to score it three. Oh, I want to do an 80s reference. I was going to say MC Hammer Pants, but they're the 90s, aren't they? Um, big hair? Yeah. Three big, three big, yeah, big hairs. Poufons? Big hairs. <laughs> Three cans of hairspray. Yeah, because they used. To, yeah, I think Kristen Wiig's ca- um, character definitely used a lot of hairspray. She had <laughs> the big boofy hair. So, so we have one more film to talk about, which is um, No Man Land. We did. We made it, guys. We had a lot to get through. We but did. We, we uh, well we done. Did it. Six so, movies. Um, oh, well, five movies and one TV series. We talked about. That's pretty good. Well done. Good us. on us. And here I thought we wouldn't have anything to talk yeah. about. <laughs> Uh, so Nomadland, uh, Nomadland rather, sorry, uh, stars Frances McDormand who plays Fern. She's a woman in her early 60s uh, who travels the American West in a van. She unfortunately has lost uh, everything in the Great Recession. Uh, the, you know, the town that she once lived in was is now a ghost town. So, you know, partly that's based on some truth. I think there were towns in Nevada and other places, uh, Empire, that, you know, now don't have anybody living there mm-hmm. due to this recession. But, uh, you know, so that's quite, <clears throat> quite sad. So, as she travels, she begins to embrace this life of a nomad while... I suppose also facing the challenges that come with the lifestyle, you know, living in a van and living, you know, pay, you know, she picks up these odd jobs. uh, So living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, the things that come with that, you know, where your van breaks down or you get a flat tire or you don't have, 
you know, power, uh, electricity, all of those things. So, you know, and she also meets friends and becomes more connected to the land and forms these friendships with other people who are in similar situations and are travelling around America as well. And she meets up with them and comes across them. So... It really isn't, there isn't kind of a a beginning, middle and end to the film as such that you would see in a traditional film. It's more uh, a film where you just kind of go on the ride with the character and I suppose on the surface it seems like quite a bleak film when you explain it to people but as we go on this journey with Fern, we learn a little bit more about nomads and, you know, these are people who actually do this you know, all the time. And we get a sense of freedom that comes with not having a fixed address, but also living on so little. I felt a little bit jealous of how simple life seemed, but how happy these people were. And there's actual real nomads in this film. So real people who live this lifestyle. I always thought when I saw the trailer, I was going, these are just normal people. These aren't actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of them are actual people who live this lifestyle. Is it unscripted stuff or? Um, I think partly it is, but for the most part, there is a, a bit of a script. But I would imagine a lot of this is unscripted if it's got real people. And it does feel a little bit unscripted at times, but it feels really authentic because of that so it's a really slow paced film but I think watching uh, Frances McDormand as Fern is such a mesmerizing experience I think she's the perfect person for this role and uh, I just loved watching her on screen and just living this life and look like I say there's no real major plot development in that respect apart from her just um, I suppose coming to terms with how things are there's a there's a really uh, quite sad scene where she she goes back to her house and, and town that she once lived in and, you know, nothing's there and I just kind of imagine myself in that position. But, um, mm. you know, it's a real eye-opening experience to think that because often you see people who are out there doing this and you think, oh, God, you know, why are you doing that? You know, get a real life, get a real job. But I the think... The freedom of it though. Yeah, and I think I actually understand that mm. a lot better now and I think I respect those people because it is a tough thing to do. So, uh, great film. I think it will get a few Oscar nods. So, get if you get the chance to see it, I'd definitely, uh, definitely check it out. I'm going to score it to four and a half... Uh, Portable stoves. Very good. Um, <laughs> while we're talking about Frances McDormand, the, um, it is the 25th anniversary of Fargo. Oh, my uh, Yeah, so to celebrate this, Luna Outdoor is showing Fargo both at um, the Leaderville Outdoor and the Camelot Outdoor in Mosman Park um, on Thursday the 14th at 8.15, so doors open at 7. So if you never got the opportunity to see Fargo on the big screen, this is a great opportunity to do it. And it's actually... Um, in February, the 25th anniversary of uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. I cannot believe that it's been that long and it makes me feel so goddamn old. I know. So um, there's some great things coming out next year. Um, I I watched the... They've dropped a trailer for the Alliance Francaise Francaise, uh, French Film Festival. (laughs) So um, that's happening in March and April. I'm sorry, mispronouncing that all the way. But... um, it sounded great. Yeah, lots lots of great things coming up next year and of course you've you've got the likes of um black widow uh you've got peter jackson's beatles um film that's going to go on to i think disney mm-hmm. um that has been 
pushed back so until later next year. So lots to look forward to next year. Vaccines, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. If, if, you, if you want to know what's coming out this year, just go and listen to one of our first episodes of last year where we talked <laughs> about all the stuff coming out in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, free, free Guy is yep. coming out yep. soon. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's a lot going on. Yeah, but no, it, it's been it's been a very a very rough year. Uh, you know, uh, we've lost a lot of a lot of lot of people along the way, mm-hmm. um, and uh, really hoping that twenty twenty one is going to be a better year and we mm. can start seeing some improvement. Uh, so yeah. this is the the end of uh, the end of a year, the end of a decade. We're, the we're end of really the Trump count, era. Though. I feel like we should be able to repeat twenty twenty. No, no, no. With, we, no, no, no. Without twenty twenty, Trump would still be. Um, the president. That's yeah. true. According to him, he still is. I don't know. I'm not following the news, but okay. is he still refusing to? He's playing go- playing lots of golf. Playing uh, lots of well, golf. Well, so what's he's it, been doing for the yeah, last four ignoring years? Ignoring his responsibilities, playing a lot of golf. Uh, yeah. So we, we look forward to in uh, 20 days, uh, you know, meeting uh, the actual president Joe Biden, which is going to be fantastic. But Excellent. Yeah, uh, please uh, stay safe uh, and have a great New Year's, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you in 2021. The year things turn around. That's a wrap. <laughs> Bye. 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 This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture.